Can you explain to me what a Lutheran is then? I cannot. Um, besides Maybe Luther be, Vandross. Besides possibly kind of assholes because like I think it was um, one of the first parent teacher meetings. My teacher said, we need to work on changing Chris's personality. Oh my god. <laughs> it wasn't well, that's too... kind of the Lutheran how they got started is by nailing shit to people's doors saying change. So it wasn't too long after that that I went back to public school. Of course <laughs> I didn't find out any of the details of that until some years later. Right. Wasn't my fault all the other kids in class with me were terrible and I wanted to be as far away from them as possible. The problem is yeah. not me, it's the is world. Is that how you're interpreting it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, everybody else was the problem. That's clearly, clearly yes, the lesson literally here. everyone else was the problem, and still right. is. I hate all of you. <laughs> I'm fine. All you people need to get your shit together. Seriously. Is it? Am I out of touch? No, it is children that are, that are wrong. <laughs> That's that's no, my life philosophy. My head, thanks, I mean. Scott. Uh, so uh, I I hope I watched the right episodes. And someone's t- changing shit the last second. Confusing me. Did you watch Cat's Paw like I told you to? I did. Good. Oh, we didn't watch Neelix's lungs this week. No, we did not. Why didn't anybody tell me? I did tell you. Wait, let me go look. This is in <laughs> DMs. Remember. <laughs> um, I only see a tweet to Scott and Fort Max and the Superhero Time account. You know I don't read any of those things. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing spookier than incompetence. (laughs) Well, someone's getting a new intro quote. (laughs) None of us know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now into the world of a group of people that would rather do a podcast than get laid well for mickey those things aren't mutually exclusive well yeah i don't know we're better at podcasting though (laughs) yeah Plus, if you're sitting at a desk, there's still plenty of room under it for somebody. So. Yeah, I mean, I will, I will admit, I've maintained a podcast relationship longer than any other in my life. So, <laughs> but again, I'm going to say that's everyone else's problem, not mine. <laughs> well, you and know, it's just as unhealthy as a regular relationship, too. <laughs> yeah, just as toxic. Yes, you but idiot. it only, but it only takes like three hours out of my week. So, you know. As well, you also have to edit three hours out of the week. Hell, I've had a only took three minutes out of the week. And then I was done. That was Love better before you finished the joke. <laughs> I have to explain it to you, because I know you're not very good at getting jokes. I have to explain them to you. Yeah, I think that's uh, Fort Max's philosophy, too. <laughs> Congratulations for meeting the level of Fort Max. I thought my philosophy would be to explain the joke with another joke. Referencing something that nobody has seen but you. And usually me. I'm pretty sure 90% of the time Fort Max... You're that mystery science theater writer for us that has a really (laughs) clever joke that the audience does not know what it is. (laughs) But you kind of laugh along because you don't want to seem dumb. 
wasn't that how they wrote Frasier too? Uh, I believe you mean Frasier. Yes. Yeah, Frasier. Podcasts: The Final Frontier. These are the Star Trek episodes of the podcast Superhero Time. Our continuing mission: Explore old episodes of Star Trek alienate even more listeners and boldly plow your mom where no one has come before superhero time presents that one episode of star trek with chris being a dick is its own reward hey mickey taking a dick is its own reward scott i can't think of dicks at the moment and fort max Getting rid of a dick is its own reward. <laughs> Let's get the bullshit out of the way first and talk about how bad this episode of Orville was. Because eh. it was by far the worst episode they've aired today. It was completely flat and uninteresting. So it's Seth MacFarlane, Seth MacFarlaning. It's not uh, even that. I mean, yeah, because he is the only person in the show. He he writes it, directs it. He's the only actor. He just puts on different wigs, play all the different characters. Yeah, he no, produces no, you're it. He that all the like set, all the yeah, you're confusing that with Family Guy. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, um, the whole planet of the Reddit and social voting. Oh, look how bad it can get. It was so ham-fisted and just okay. So remember, dull. they found remember the episode they found the the civilization on the ship that didn't know it was a ship, and I said it was like a Stargate plot. Mm. This is also like a Stargate plot, but only in the most superficial sense, where it's like Stargate would say, "Okay, here's a hook for a planet that looks a lot like modern Earth, or you know, is cheap to redress from being modern Earth." Um, Specifically, looks a whole lot like uh, modern Canada. Yeah, yeah I was going to say Toronto. <laughs> Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. There you go. Thank you. Um, but, like, this does not have the depth to actually, like, dig into and really develop what they're trying to do with it. And for something that is more in the vein of Star Trek than Stargate, it's kind of disappointing to see two episodes within the first ten that are both set in a basically contemporary Earth-like setting. Yeah, their budget is showing. A little bit, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, most... The most... whole conceit for this episode feels like you could have got the point across in a three-panel webcomic. <laughs> I didn't need an hour of television devoted to this. Well, okay, idea. so, like, my take on this also is that they had this idea, which, I mean, as an opening hook is interesting kind of. Um, but then instead of choosing to explore uh, like the deeper social implications of the society, they instead use it as a focus on the buffoon helmsman. And instead Which of growing I... him as a character, just make him be, you know, more of the, the um, caricature that he is already. You know, I, that's the thing I actually, that my complaint about the episode is that I, I, I like the guy himself, he's a cool guy. Uh, but yeah, his acting is not strong. He he needs to to take classes or something because his acting was pretty terrible. Plus, yeah, as you said, he wasn't even written well. He didn't have any character growth. He had a few catchphrases. Please don't do that. He deserves more than that. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. 
I understand the thinking of why they figured this topic would be something interesting to explore in an episode. Uh, why must we take modern social media culture and blow it up to where it's beyond satirical? Well, it's a well, it's a pure democracy, which I thought they made. I thought it was interesting. They made a point of that. Is like everyone gets a vote. I mean, is that we don't you don't have representatives. Literally, just everyone votes on what happens. Well, and there's, just... there's a more of a commentary it's trying to make too on the current social situation, where like sure. it doesn't matter what actual facts are. This many people are deciding this is the truth, and they're not going to listen if you try to tell them otherwise. Right. And, and this concept could have been interesting if they skewed it more to uh, a direct take on, say, the election and you know populism and all that bullshit. Yeah, that's what that's. But basically... instead, the episode was skewed way more towards upvotes and likes on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, they went to all and the Reddit. superficial yeah. aspects of their idea. They didn't even use it to develop their characters in any meaningful way. It's this was more a spectacle event, not a not an exploration of a concept. Yeah. Now, a few, a few on the flip side, a few positive things I liked was I, I did like the acting of the little barista girl, the way she acted, because she, it was for me, it was believable that she was like, well, how else would you do things? This is because they they treated it as if that is just the world they live in, and she acted so normal about everything. I thought a lot of some of the other acting was. Very you mean good. they treated the world they lived in as the if it was the in. world they lived in, <laughs> right? Then this is no. the hand they're given, and they better like, start trying. Well, no, seriously. I mean, they, they they did. They just acted like this. This is normal. Anything else was weird. They they treated the aliens as being aliens. Motivation. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he got acting. So, <laughs> that's character yeah. growth. <laughs> Something that the Helmsman doesn't have. Right. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so by comparison. <sighs> Yeah, they did a lot of that kind of stuff very well. And the other, okay, so like at the end, they also tried to do like the old Star Trek thing of plant the seed of doubt into the native that they interact with. Right. At Thank the you. same yeah. time, though, given everything they've showed about the society in this episode, she's most likely going to end up lobotomized in about six weeks, and right. nothing is going to be accomplished or changed. Yep. I also have big issues about the whole prime directivity thing, the conceit of. Well, we can't rescue him. We have to let him be judged by these people. Yeah, that was a little like, um, what? No, that's weak. Um, you can do a stealth mission and rescue him, and it'll be fine. They'll yeah. just wonder where this guy ran off to in the mountains. Yeah, so one of the things I was reading about, too, is like, wait, didn't last episode they had holographic projectors that could make them look like anything? Why did Alara need, like, a hat? And also, one of the things that kind of bothered me was, like, they know what the money looks like to the point where it's, like, it's passable as counterfeit currency – but they didn't know that that hat had a special religious significance that would cause issues. It's like, how much research did you people do on this planet? It, it, everything seemed kind of like, this was just sloppy. It was sloppy. Okay, and see, yeah. like, some of these inconsistencies like this, I would like if that's, like, little breadcrumbs they're dropping to show, like, their union is a fairly flawed organization in a lot of respects. But I'm at the point where I'm not giving the show that much credit to think it has that much depth and, like, undercurrent writing. Yeah, I have to have to agree with you there. Yeah, I mean they uh, can, also, they can totally spin some of the complaints we have toward a more positive long term end. I just don't think they're going to catch on to that. Right. I don't. Okay, so like this does not make me like dislike Orville, but it's probably the most disappointed I've been in the show since it started. Yeah. Yeah. Um. This is the most tired I've felt of watching it. 
Yeah, I, I will agree with that. Okay, this this is it's not approaching being bad as a whole yet, but I've definitely lost my excitement to see another episode. I haven't. I mean, it's it has its ups and downs. It's also first season, so eh. I mean, Discovery's the... first season too. <laughs> you made the Star- point earlier. Star Trek that has been around for fifty fucking years. I, I think we can kind of give it a gimme. You made the point <laughs> earlier that their budget is showing, and like most shows in this style, would uh, start to address that with like bottle episodes, where they do a whole story on the ship without having to like travel or do new sets. No, we're just going to go and drive into downtown and spend a day filming. And do a really bad story. In Vancouver. Well, wherever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was probably the, one of the weakest episodes I've seen. i got to give you that. I, I would even... like to see a bottle episode. Like, you know, just see a day in the life on the ship or something. They could probably, you know, get a lot of, like, small plot ideas they can't really develop into full stories. Much like this last episode. Um and, you know, work them out in a natural length of time as just various parts of one uh, conglomerate episode. Yeah. Well, the characters themselves, I think, are interesting enough where you could actually do that. I mean, even though this is first season, we know enough about Laura. She has dating issues. We know Bordas and his personal life. I mean, I think there's Have enough. Have the doctor and the blob go on a first date. I mean, that, that oh. would fill seven minutes. I feel like half the characters are interesting. I mean, uh, Alara, yes. The doctor, yes. Um, Bordas, yes. Uh, even the captain and number one, basically, mm-hmm. you know, they're fine. Yeah, but yeah, the android is completely weak. You, your pilot and helmsman, they're non characters, they're cardboard cutouts of jokes. I, I have to agree, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's again, we're on how many episodes in the first season, so I'm hoping, hoping that they're gonna expand on and actually give them some character growth. Yeah, but I mean, like, look at Next Generation. Counterpoint, there's no real excuse for starting off with bad writing. And look at Next Generation for contrast. Like, by the 10th episode, even Jordy had some development, so you kind of understood who he was more than just the guy who sits and drives the ship. You know, he had a little bit more dimension to him. Probably the most underdeveloped character in the first season of Next Generation was Worf, and they tried to even give him a couple episodes to kind of start fleshing him out. Like, I don't yeah. think where we're at in Discovery, there's an excuse for not having some more depth to everyone by this point. But, yeah, the two... Wait, Orville. Um, sorry. Uh, but the two, the Helm guys and the android, um, whatever. Um, yeah. Like... I think as the, they teased the android having some depth at the beginning, of saying, yeah, he felt superior to everyone. But, but no, he's just it. he's just kind of happy in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, just whatever. Yeah, just does his job, yeah, without, without any kind of conflict or and anything see, like, interesting. They could, I, I, I... they could totally put an episode or part of an episode around that. Like, yes, I feel very content because I can regularly demonstrate my superiority over all of you imbeciles. I don't even have to flaunt it at you. These it's just naturally true. Have no pathos to them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Everyone else does. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. But, you know, I'm still hanging on. I mean, there's still time for all that, so eh, I'll keep watching. Like I said, I don't dislike it yet. I'm just, you know, more disappointed with this last episode than I have been previously. This last episode is like when you're eating Whoppers, and you get that one that's <laughs> multiple Whoppers. <laughs> there's 
plural. Candy, candy not burgers. Not the sandwich. You oh, okay. Mouth, you bite down, instead of being crisp, it just sort of gushes and like and like it's like stale. Oh inside. no, okay. So worse than that though, when you're eating a bunch of whoppers and you get the one that is mostly hollow inside. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, the one I thought that's you're, like, I thought you were describing a different crisp, sensation. Like all of a sudden, it's just like, and it just it feels wrong and uh, yeah, unsatisfying. It's it's a very hollow feeling. Yeah. It you know it leaves you as empty inside as the Whopper. Yes. And you start to like question your life choices as you sit there looking at this three quarters empty carton of Whoppers. And wondering why you didn't buy more. And also wondering where all your hamburgers went. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> and where's my pillow? Yeah. <laughs> my giant marshmallow's gone. Hmm. Malted milk hamburger. Well, write that down on the schedule. Chocolate <laughs> hamburger ball. <laughs> I think, yeah, chocolate and hamburger, that needs a mix somehow. <laughs> No, you make a little hamburger ball and you chocolate dip it. Hmm. We need to get like a double boiler though. Oh, you can make a double boiler easy. You just need a heat proof bowl and a pot of boiling water. Yeah, if you use white chocolate, it would look like a, a nice Swiss cheese on top of it. Ooh. <laughs> Shit in your kitchen. Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> it's like inescapable at this point. No, I'm 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 pretty devoted to this idea. Like sometime after the start of the year, to get together and like test record a few episodes worth of content. I, I think there's legs under this. Unlike I, the I'm Muppets, not really comfortable filming my kitchen and putting it on the internet. Well, we can't do it at mine. Does Russ we can, have like, a kitchen? Rent MC Suites or something. Does Russ have a kitchen? <laughs> he does have a kitchen. It's a big, brightly lit kitchen. It's right next to his computer, so we can podcast next to his beer. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I mean, I'm not against, like, you know, going to a set. Well, we'll discuss this at another time. Let's move on to talk about something good. Yes. Discovery. Yes, let's. Well, it'll have to be Discovery, because it's certainly not going to be this episode of the original series. No. <laughs> No, let's, I like, we, actually like this episode, but Discovery first. Uh, um, yeah, speaking of character development and character arcs, holy shit, this was delicious. <laughs> it was like eating multiple Whoppers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, and I think he hamburgers. the hamburgers. <laughs> okay, so we got our Star trek Star Trek episode yet. Of a standalone science anomaly of a time loop, which... Yep. Uh, but what's fun, though, is that uh, the episode is not focused on the character who knows they're in a time loop. Right. Very strange. Yeah, I thought that was so weird. What a weird choice, but also refreshing. The other thing, too, is we don't see every loop that happens. We don't see Thanks. all of every loop that happens. Like, we don't see the same block of time set out for each one it's a really different structure to a time loop episode than you think star trek would do and i like that so it's kind of like endless eight only they only did it in one episode instead of eight well that would be fine for max if i actually watched that garbage oh damn um 
well, they assume that all their viewers are smart to recognize a time loop episode, and right. we don't need to have it spoon-fed to us every step of the way. It's like, okay, you got this shit. You know what warp engines are. You can handle a time loop. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's one thing I did like about it. It didn't hold your hand. It just went through the motions, and, and as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, this is awesome. I kept looking at Vesti going, this is so awesome. I'm enjoying this so much. This is so good. <laughs> and is she wondering, what the hell are we watching? Was she like, what the hell is this? No, she you you'd be surprised at how strong her sci-fi and nerd chops are. She I swear I've never met someone who catches on as quick as she does about anything. How is she liking Discovery? She loves it. Good. Yeah, she loves it. She I mean she she looks forward to it just as much as I do every week. Cool. Oh yeah. So as an aside, I liked uh Harry's space helmet. <laughs> oh my god. It was amazing. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> Obviously well, not important. Look, it's an Andorian. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be awesome if that was an Andorian spacesuit. Why didn't they call it out? Because <laughs> the audience should be smart enough to recognize those things. Sure. Like warp <laughs> engines and time loops and Andorian <laughs> space helmets. <laughs> they look like a, like, a, like a cyborg cartoon rabbit. Oh, it's so funny. So I'm, I'm loving uh, Rain Wilson's mud. Yes. Yeah, he's um, good. He's, he's playing it with a lot of fun, but he's playing it a lot more serious and sinister than the original series mode. Well, this, this uh, is Robert a hairy bud that hasn't had a chance right. to, like, you know, mellow out and age a little bit. Yeah. Um. But it shows how cunning he is, and that's why I like how the fact that they made a point in the you know, spoilers, obviously, uh, that the way he get he gets away with certain things that are just unbelievable is he gets those fucking time crystals, so he can try it over and over and over and over again and that explains how mud does stuff that is so fucking rad and also shows how dangerous he actually is because yes. in series he's always there as a something to laugh at look how silly he is mm-hmm. until he's not uh, anymore yet now he's a threat and, and a serious one not one you can just laugh at i mean like he fucking took over the fucking discovery like it was nothing Although I did laugh when he beamed Lorca into space. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> as soon as he beamed him, I said, he's in space. He's going to be in space. I mean, obviously. <laughs> yep, he sort of shows up off in the distance, clutching his throat. Writhing <laughs> in agony. God. Yeah, you know, you don't die all at once in vacuum. No, it takes way too long. Yeah. Having done it several times myself. I um I read research once that speculated that a human could survive up to ninety seconds in vacuum. Yeah, sounds about right. In vacuum or in like cold as well. No, everything. Okay, because your body only ready. It's not like it's like something is stealing the heat away from you. You're just radiating it. There's not like there's any air. Yeah, there's no cold. medium to take the heat away right. quickly. So it was all just radiant heat. So you just slowly radiate it out. Your core would stay warm for for quite a while. Um, and the research I was reading was in reference to like uh, early space travel stuff. So, like they were considering vacuum of space, not just uh, artificially generated vacuum environment. Um, but yeah, I mean, just think about that: ninety seconds, a minute and a half of just slowly dying of suffocation. Mm-hmm. And feeling your blood starting to boil under your skin uh-huh. as it starts to evaporate. Ugh. Of not having bleeding pressure on you from the outside. just about as horrible as drowning. Oh, gosh. I don't know which would be worse. They'd both be terrible. They're probably okay, about I'm... equivalent, you know? 
I'm trying really hard to find um, a picture of that fucking space helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I want a picture of that fucking thing. Um, give me a couple Wait, minutes. I am, go- I am going to marathon this, start marathoning this a few weeks before the last episode of the first season. Yeah, you should. Well, I mean, there's seven episodes now. That's a pretty respectable marathon when they're, you know, about an hour long. Yeah. So, uh, as far as the rest of the episode goes, yeah, Harry Buzz awesome. He's a great villain. The way he just did everything, the way the the, the heroes stopped him was also fantastic. Uh, there was character development. There was growth. You get to see him like off duty, see him have fun. Then there was serious stuff. There was, I mean, it, it was just great. Every everything happened in this episode, and it didn't feel rushed. It all felt natural. It was great. I said so this is this is easily my favorite episode so far. Oh, it's really good. It really is. They just really nailed it. It's probably the best standalone episode, I'd say. Yeah. Well, I think it's the, I think it's the first standalone episode, it honestly, because this is the first one that you could just. This is just. It feels like it's serialized. I mean, it feels mm-hmm. like it's uh, episodic. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the first episode that just feels so completely standalone. It's like, yep, we're just in space doing our thing, and then this thing happens. You know. Do you not particularly love when they encounter the space whale? And they're trying to explain to Lorca their scientific duty. He's like, what the fuck ever? I don't care. Do whatever you want. He literally says that. I don't give a damn. That's his actual answer. He's a Starfleet captain. He's like, I don't give a damn. Just do what you got to do. Have at it. <laughs> it's so great. He's quickly become my favorite captain. He's fun. Because Picard would be like, oh, we must do it. And Picard would be like, he'd go on some big fucking flowery speech about how beautiful it is and everything. And everyone would be rolling their eyes on the bridge. And Kirk would either try to uh, punch (laughs) Uh it or have sex with it. I did feel bad, though, when they beamed it right into the uh, cargo bay. And he just kind of goes, in the gravity. I'm like. It's not really made for gravity, guys. You should probably... No, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to assume they seem to know an awful lot about them. They probably right. knew it would be fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I know. But still, it's just like, ooh, it looks fairly uncomfortable. <laughs> Plus, it had a spaceship inside of it, so there's that. That seems more uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Okay, when it walked down and started zapping people, holy shit. Yeah, I, I like... Yeah, you know, a lot of people are skeptical of the TVMA rating. I'm fully on board for this shit. They're not abusing it because they're not being gratuitous about it. Right. Yeah. um, They're doing it to show real life consequences of what we know these weapons really do. Yes. They're not, you know, playing it up for gore. They're showing like this shit's dangerous and scary. Right. Right. Yeah. I I I love the character. I love Stamets now. My God, he's so freaking hilarious. Did you find a good picture of it? Yep. <laughs> Look at this. I'm freaked. What were they thinking? I mean, all the I right things. Yeah, I mean, I love it, but what did they even have? The Borgar! They... <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did they do it? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's gotta be Andorian, right? One would well, the blue kind of gives it away too, doesn't it? Yeah, I would think so. But he took off the, the helmet, and it wasn't Jeffrey Combs inside. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's, there's a weird to get Jeffrey Combs to do a role in Discovery, or all the roles in Discovery. He is doing a role. In, he is the Discovery. <laughs> yeah, he's the ship. I thought you knew that. He had to, he had to like take training to do that little spinny, flippy thing before it falls into drive space, or whatever it's called. Shroom space. Yes, before shroom it trips. Space. 
Also, uh, Stella and her dad. Yes. That costuming was on point. Yeah. Yes, it was. Like, not just her super 60s gypsy look, but her dad's crazy dated admiral look her for no reason. Her super 60s gypsy look, which is sort of consistent with the Stella costuming from iMud. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah, her dad looking like a 1920s tycoon, but futuristic somehow. <laughs> right. Did, did, did uh, she shark away, Garvey? But have you been, well, hard, your Garcorp, mud, have you been drinking again? Where no, have but, you been? No, but I really wanted, know. yeah, I really wanted her to do that. She didn't do those <laughs> lines, but there was a little bit of that delivery in her first lines to him off the transporter. And she did have red hair, so. Uh, it's very much like, uh, she's got not that exasperated them yet. Yeah. But you can see that she's got that character element inside her that's just waiting for the right amount of abuse mm-hmm. to manifest. Yeah, all in all, just absolutely excellent. I mean, if it, it felt like Star Trek. I like the characters now. I like Burnham. You know, I relate to them. It's just um, so. Is is, uh, is Ash Tyler? Is he is he still a Klingon or or what? What's... I don't know. Which is great. <laughs> And then everyone died. <laughs> um, okay, okay, so we were done talking about Discovery. It was great. Let's move on. Right. Something equally great. <laughs> sure. Yeah, have fun with this one, Mickey. I'm going to be over there not <laughs> having fun. All right, so season two, episode seven of the original series, Cat's Paw. Cat's Spa. Spa. Which is officially a Halloween episode. Hooray! <laughs> yes, they literally call it out as that. Only, also, only okay. about 10 or 12 times, just in case you didn't get the memo. Right. So is it me, or is this episode, like, completely dark and shadowy, even on the bridge? Yeah, uh, there's some really cool lighting going on here. It's like season one of Voyager. Okay, oh good, it wasn't just me then. I wasn't just getting glaucoma. All right, good. Well, you are. I just thought it was a bad (laughs) film transfer. Fort Max? No, no. (laughs) Look, I'm going to defer to my own expertise here. Well, I'm going to assume this takes place at night when they dim the bridge lights. Oh, well, that is canon in Star Trek, so yes. Yeah. And like I need... It being dark does does go with the whole Halloween episode vibe that they have going on for the first fifteen minutes of the episode. Mm-hmm. Also, was the planet they were orbiting in black and white? I, it, uh, I think it just looked that way. Uh, it wasn't in the original version. Well, none of the planets look like they do in the original version. Well, I, I'm just saying it wasn't black and white. I know it was probably well, red or something. 
Well, it's nice, though, because the planet is black and white and cloudless, and they get under the surface, and there's no moisture, and the entire planet is gray. So. It corrects continuity errors. <laughs> yeah. Which is important, because for nerds like us to rip it apart. Okay, so the Enterprise is cruising around, and they've left uh, Scotty, Sulu, and Lieutenant Handsome on this barren, lifeless rock. And they fucked off to go get burgers or something while they were exploring this planet. I don't whoppers. know. It's never really clear. Yeah, they went to go get Whoppers. <laughs> Which are so, only hamburgers. Actually, I'm kind of thinking they probably f- forgot they left them down there. Like, oh, shit. We left the baby on top of the car. Let's go back to the planet and pick him up. <laughs> so, Look, like, if she would just stop climbing like... out of the sunroof, we wouldn't have this problem. <laughs> True story, by the way. And then you showed your tits to passing cars and got your head knocked off. I've seen that one. <laughs> All right, so her is like, um, so Captain, they're not really responding and taking any life signs aside from them or whatever. Anyway, so finally, uh, Lieutenant Handsome calls back and says, one to beam up. George Kirk um, is like, uh, hey, uh, mister, where are the others? Where are the important ones? I said one to beam up. Right. <laughs> what don't you understand about that? So, um, he Uno starts beaming up. to beamo. He <laughs> 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 spoke Spanish. <laughs> so the British crew runs down there to greet him, to throw a lay on him. <laughs> uh, he materializes, immediately takes a very hard fucking fall into a sharp corner of the set. Yeah, Vessi was like, holy shit, did he really fall? I'm like, yeah, I think he really fell. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he actually died. And that's when they watched yeah. him out of the episode. <laughs> that's what I told her. <laughs> How hardcore were these stunt people in the 60s? They were dedicated. <laughs> this is like only... this is like filming Garo kind of stunt demands here. <laughs> this, this is like early Kamen Rider where you have them going around on... Uh like fighting on some gondola on the outside with no safety harness. It's like an old Buster Keaton movie. And in comes Scott with the boring reference. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, Lieutenant Handsome is dead, but a spooky voice comes out of his mouth. You're all going to die up there. (laughs) You should leave. You have seven days. And so it begins the next 15 minutes of glory of this episode where it settled before it settles into a separate episode. Oh, God. I, you know, actually, most of this episode, I kept going, get to it. Oh, God. There's another episode where it's just like they could have done this whole story in like 15 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like this episode, but we'll, this, we'll go through it as we go through it. The script was That's a page a and a half. <laughs> okay, so. The trio beams down to the planet, um, which they're detecting no life signs at from the ship. They get down there, and uh, some life signs are apparently here because someone's turned the fog machine on high and just let it run for weeks. Either that or there's a Cypress Hill concert going on. (laughs) So that would also be someone leaving the fog machine on. Yes, it's not fog. That's right. That's right. Oh, it's fog. That's right, Fort Max. 
It's it's a cloud. I'm 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 just saying it's not green enough for that fog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> just the oh. greenish haze. Um. We're talking about marijuana smoke. What are you talking about? Yeah. Fort Max, have, you, you, been, have you ever been around marijuana smoke? No. Do no. shows. <laughs> are you breathing chlorine? <laughs> so, stop it immediately. No, but I you think it might be pumping it. chlorine gas onto the set, because you see how red these people's eyes are getting? Yeah. I assume that's a large reaction to the makeup they plaster over their faces. Well, that and the fact this is probably not like water vapor fog. This is probably like an oil fog, you know? So someone should light a match? Yes. All right. So as the trio explores the the, the fog machine planet, uh, Spock says, "Uh, hold the phone. I'm getting life signs here. They're that way or something. So Kurt calls the ship and asks for confirmation. She's like, hell no. Ain't nobody down there but you. So Kirk has left the Enterprise to uh Assistant Chief Engineer Argyle. <laughs> yes. Uh LaSalle. Um He's the most boring looking human being I have ever seen. <laughs> well, he's an engineer. Well, Scotty's an engineer, but you can describe him. You know, he's missing a finger. He's drunk, sweaty-looking, <laughs> violent, round. This is the Starfleet. <laughs> this guy is the Starfleet equivalent of a Men in Black. You can't remember him when you turn around. That's pretty much. That's pretty much perfect for uh, you know a one-off character. It's like the silence from Doctor Who. But uh, things you can remember in this scene. Is Chekhov's glorious wig? Oh my god! It was a bad, bad wig day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, wasn't who mourns for Adonis an earlier episode, and his hair looked better? What happened there? Maybe they put the wig on backwards this time. Maybe they put the wig on backwards last time. It's inside out. Maybe they couldn't find the wig and now, they had to use a this, triple. This episode, <laughs> now, this episode aired the week before uh, I Mud, didn't it? Correct. And his hair was okay in that, too. Maybe he accidentally got one of uh, Shatner's toupees. Maybe it's a production order thing. Could be. I don't, I'm not super familiar with the actual production order of original series episodes. Except that the first season was kind of jacked up. Uh, actually, if I recall correctly, this episode does have a weird production over thing going on where it was filmed or whatever, but then it was held specifically to air on Halloween. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. So this could have been one of the first ones filmed for season two. Yeah. Which would explain the wig problem. Okay, so um, LaSalle basically tells Chekhov to do your job right. And he's like, fuck off, you're a douche. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that green. That was uh, that was oh, more Scotty than Chekhov there, Scott. It's the only one I can do. <laughs> Best part of the episode now, though, hands down. Back on the planet, the trio encounters three spooky, spooky witches. When did this <laughs> become Macbeth? <laughs> oh, oh, 
This is some Lake Winnipesoka haunted house bullshit right well, here. Okay, so two of them are like doing spooky voice. The other one is just singing. The third one is just doing opera. I mean, she's just straight up. Oh, oh here. <laughs> this was the first episode produced in this, in season two. Okay, then that explains Chekhov's wig. Thank <laughs> yes, you for that. Yeah. <clears throat> I go Kirk's right. like, ah, ex-girlfriends. All right, so this terrible queen video uh, starts quoting poetry at them. Um, Spock is not impressed. No. Yeah. Uh, and Kirk is not impressed with Spock not being impressed because that's not fucking helpful, Spock. We covered this next week. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this trend in season two, though, of Kirk getting completely non-helpful advice from his senior officers. Yeah, because <laughs> they because they've been with this guy for a couple of years now. They know that nothing is really serious, so they can just joke and fuck off now. <laughs> Kirk will fix everything at the end, so they can just coast. <laughs> He'll either punch it or fuck it, but it'll be fine by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Very succinct. Very good. All I need to know, I learned from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Punch it or fuck it. <laughs> but never both. That's not okay. Uh, well, unless to get permission. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, fisting's not out of the question. (laughs) 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 I will comply with your request. Uh, Brilliant. (laughs) All right, so uh, the Carly Simon sisters issue a dire warning in the style of uh, Friday the 13th guy saying, you're all doomed. And um, you can barely understand half of what they're saying. Yeah, I had yeah. that problem, too. Yeah, That's what subtitles were for. <laughs> I kind of forgot I had the subtitles until about halfway in. At that point, I didn't want to go back. Because it would just, you oh. know, make it take longer. So after the ghost witches fuck off to who knows where, uh, a sudden winter storm blows in <laughs> for reasons. and Somebody turned the hurricane fan on. Oh my god. And I have to say... Okay, and then this... they blow up against... Then they're blown up all against the wall. Uh, Kirk... Kirk Sarah's messed up. The other twos are just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then I... suddenly there's a castle behind them that wasn't there uh, before they changed the angle of the shot. Because that's what Castlevania does. No, what Castlevania does is it turns upside down in the second half. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the trio arrives at Castle Dracula. Um, and they are all like, oh, this shit, this is spooky. So spooky. Let's yeah, not scary, spooky. <laughs> uh, the fog machine continues to billow out of control. Um, I'm positive they're bringing like, asbestos fibers at this point. <laughs> well, again, look how like red and puffy their eyes are. Some bad. The dust was so thick. It used windshield wipers. <laughs> squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. All right, so Kirk and crew find the door, come inside. Uh, immediately greeted by the, the most brutal and savage creature ever known to man. A house cat. Right. <laughs> A very un. Un- unpleasant one. A very, very displeased cat. So a cat. 
Yeah. Someone's in there. Someone in, is in its house <laughs> that it does not know, and has not brought it food. That, all this episode goes as far to have a, a jump scare for the crew of an unexpected cat. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Kirk is exasperated by this bullshit. And him and McCoy are like, boy, this sure is like Halloween. Wink at the camera. <laughs> Trick or treat, am I right, guys? And Spock. I call bullshit on Spock not having heard of anything about Halloween before, given that he's a pretty much a walking encyclopedia of everything. Pretty, of pretty much everything including ancient human culture you'd think 200 years old human culture would also count my suspicion is that uh scott's fa- uh, spock is faking it hey i never fake it <laughs> i never have to <laughs> that that is true <laughs> thank you for noticing Spock is pretending to not know about the stupid parts of human culture. Yeah, he's just embarrassing. Yeah, he's just in denial. Oh, so it's it's like the uh, prequel to the campfire sing-along thing in Star Trek V. Yeah, I've yes. never heard of Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Nope, never heard of it. <laughs> nope, not me. But Spock, it's public domain. <laughs> <laughs> it belongs to all of us. Because we know what happens when you, like, you know, don't pay for patents or royalties. Look what happened to Harry Mudd. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, they blather in for a while. They follow the cat. They explore the castle. Um, Apparently, this castle was. They've determined this castle must have been formed by racial subconscious memory or something, which. Okay, which. So it's a specifically European castle because, of course, it is. That's the only kind of castle that, that exists like, for it. That Max. sounds racist. How do we know this isn't like, you know, a South American castle? Or like a European Vulcan castle. Oh, I was thinking more of an Eskimo castle. We silly, they're not smart enough to build castles. Oh, damn. <laughs> you can't really build a castle out of snow. It collapses under its own weight. Just like your mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So eventually they uh, find where Bugs Bunny has cut a cartoon hole in some styrofoam. <laughs> I like and that they walk this... right into, onto it. Because... I like that there's this big obvious square <laughs> in the floor around it. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't even blend that into the actual flooring. Well, that's how well, you don't bring a thief along. You, can't, you don't have anyone who checks for traps. They, they did peel off the big red X of tape that was on it, though. So, you know, they, they tried to disguise it. All right, so the crew falls in the hole, and they get knocked unconscious, and they wake up in irons. Boy, they Thank fall you. a whole eight feet, and they get knocked out. It's amazing. Well, it was very scary. They got scared <laughs> asleep. Yeah, scared unconscious. <laughs> Must have been that cat. Well, they're all allergic. That's what all this is. They're just allergic to the dander. Oh, that would explain the swollen eyes. Yep. All right, so they're down there in the dungeon. It was the episode forgets that for the rest of the episode that's Halloween-themed, basically. And also that uh, Spock is incredibly strong. Thank you. Yes. 
I mean, well, you, so okay, are these you irons. Can, you can, yeah, you can hand wave that away just by saying like the irons are not iron; they're you know something that looks like that, but are much <laughs> adamantium. Much... Well, actually, that's true because all this castle is illusory. So, even though they say it over and over again, oh, this is quite real. Yep, look how real this is. This is it's so real. Real in that it is an actual physical existing thing, not that it's, you know specifically real iron and stone. The illusion is that it holds him in place. That's what's real. It's all stupid. I mean, that's clear. <laughs> I, just, I was just waiting for that to be admitted. That's all. Just waiting for that. Uh, what's great, though, is I love the line that Kirk has here, though. And he glances over towards Bacoy and the skeleton and says, Bones. And the Kirk himself says, Doc. Doc. What's yes. up, Doc? <laughs> Which is bad, though, because I did the same thing as soon as I saw the skeleton. I was like, Bones. I mean, McCoy. <laughs> But yeah, then they did it for real, and I felt stupid. <laughs> I like that it's such an obvious joke that I mean, they just kind of let it slide unnoticed. They don't call attention to it by lampshading it; they just let it be. And he also yeah. Then yeah. spends the rest of the episode calling him Doc instead of Bones. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, you're right. He does. All right, so Sulu and Scotty wander into the scene, and they're happy to see them. To they realize that oh shit, they're high in fentanyl or something. Harcourt fentanyl mud. Yeah, they got it from him next episode. Heroin fentanyl, yeah. Well, he does do time loop, so that makes sense. God damn it. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so um, Scotty's threatening with the phaser. They're not saying shit. Uh, Sulu just holds a golden thing up in the air and starts walking towards McCoy, and I don't know where this is going. Uh, I thought you'd be into this. Oh, yeah, this scene has fan fiction written all over it. All over the floor, too. One thing I kept hoping would happen this episode but never did is that they would just uh, unlock the skeleton and just let it fall. (laughs) (laughs) They should walk away, though, really. (laughs) That would be spookier. They couldn't let the skeleton fall on the floor. They wouldn't get their deposit back on it. Well, I mean, they also couldn't let it walk away because that would have been way too much for the special effects of this show. They would have just puppeteered it. Yeah, they would have had some guys crouching in the camera strange. sort of bouncing it along like a Muppet. <laughs> right. And as we see later on, they do have uh, puppeteer technology available for the filming of this episode. That is it true. certainly did. <laughs> yeah. now, I'm not going to say that you can see the wires, but you can totally see the wires. No, they, they got this from that guy at the mall who sells them. Who's really good at it, but you'd never be that good, so it's not as yeah. fun when you get home. Yeah. <laughs> Bastard. All right, so uh, they're escorted by zombie Sulu and zombie Scotty to uh, the throne room slash dining hall slash boudoir. There's not a lot of sets for this episode, so they got to sort of mush them all together. Yeah. Also, the dungeon set is reused elsewhere in the series. I forget before or after, but it's definitely the same layout. All right, so they're taken in to meet uh, Emperor Ming the Fabulous. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one who made the Ming connection there. <laughs> yeah. Ming the Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was definitely thinking that, okay, when did they get wander onto a Flash Gordon set? And where's, like, where's the Queen music? <laughs> like Lord Varys from Game of Thrones mixed with uh, yeah, Ming the Merciless. I also like the fact that his head screams, I'm a fat biker. But his uh, gown screams, I like to play piano fabulously. 
I have pictures on my computer I really shouldn't. Intro That's quote. Really <laughs> uh, <laughs> put that right, right so, next uh, to the Don quote. I, I've, I've taken dating, <laughs> <laughs> take dating advice from Kevin Spacey. Oh, huh, really? topical. <laughs> There's a spore drive for you. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I think the hardest thing to believe about any of that is that Kevin Spacey was once 26 years old. <laughs> you know, you make a good point because he's always looked like he was 40. Yeah. Always. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the Dick Clark phenomenon. You can't accept that they were ever young because they've always been exactly the same age, no matter how long you've been aware of them. Well, Patrick yeah. Stewart's the same way. I'm yeah, I'm sorry to say, Scott, Patrick Stewart is showing his age, finally. Dude, I mean, he looks the same now as he did when he did that fucking King Arthur movie where they wore the huge armor. Remember that? No, actually. Excalibur, yeah. When will the world stop making King Arthur movies? I don't know, but they need to stop it. They're never good. When's the world ending? Not soon enough. Yeah, again, I mean, I'm a huge nerd. I love fantasy stuff, but stop with the King Arthur. Nobody cares. I don't care. There's never been a good King Arthur movie. If I don't care, no one's going to care. I'm your target audience, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, yeah, you're the asshole with the uh, reproduction weapons all over your house. I I am. <laughs> I know. That's why that I made the reference, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> Would you stop looking at my windows? I told you about that. No, Scott. The Skype is coming from inside the house. God damn it. God. <laughs> okay, all right. So... Basically, uh, uh, was it Korob? Yes, Korob the Fabulous. Are you sure it's not Bokkob? Yeah, Korob. Bokkob now on. Yes, thank you. That makes so much more sense. It's so much easier to remember. So, uh, Bokkob the Fabulous. Uh, give you the difficult Bokkob the Fabulous! The- <laughs> 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 and you really... And did you re- and wait a minute, it's even, it fits even better because he is really just a little fuzzy creature. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he is a squirrel in a giant trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Bot Cobb here is like, I've captured you to study you and You've never seen this plot before, so actually I captured you to study you, but I also warned you not to come here. <laughs> Figure that one out. Mm-hmm. I know. Just oh god, this episode. Well, but here, here's what starts doing some fun things. I think though, if we're where Kirk's like, he's just not buying any of this shit. He's not really. He's like, okay, let me go. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. This is dumb. Let us go. Yeah, like he's like, do you have any idea how many times I've done this shit? Just, just look. Just this is not going to well for you. Let, let, let Kirk's we'll not on our way. At all. He's just inconvenienced. Exactly. Well, you know, Kirk's the biggest believer in any sufficiently advanced science. Mm. But he's not even pretending to be amazed. It's like, uh huh. <laughs> and so Borg's like, but wait, I'll turn your dinner into fancy gems. Well, I like the fact that he thinks he's going to entice them first with food. He's like, look, humans, food. <laughs> They're like, well, the your food is now diamonds. Yeah. I mean, he didn't know they could have been hungry. I think Kirk's like, 
yeah, this shit is garbage. We can make billions of these on the ship. <laughs> He's like, oh, um, well, shit, my research is a little out of date. Uh, fuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> where I start to like Borok here as a character. Kobor, Bok, what the fuck is that? Bok, Fabulous. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I've tweeted that out now, so we have player. to keep on that. He's really shitty at his job of being an evil villain here. Like, He keeps up the threatening act for about five minutes, and he just starts like, fumbling over his villain lines. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so by the time the cat decides, okay, enough of this shit. I need to take control of the situation. Sounds so like cat a cat. off screen, and in walks uh, a brownish area with points. It's a uh, cat uh, Elizabeth Taylor or something. I don't know. But her wig is out of control. Well, whatever her... she is, whatever she is, she's not Sylvia. She's one of the kung fu creatures on the rampage. I don't get it. Somebody will appreciate the Garfield reference. Two! <laughs> I like the fact that she's a magician's assistant. Her name is Sylvia. I know. What a lame-ass name. <laughs> yeah, I'm go... Sylvia the Beautiful. You go from okay, Bok so I... the Fabulous to Sylvia. Yeah. So, like, my aunt. Great. Aunt Sylvia. Aunt Sylvia is here. Also, like, before they, around this point, that's when Spock is like, we were like, what's a familiar? He goes, oh, well, a familiar is a uh, you know human turned into animal form that Satan sends to help out witches. And they all, it's like, and, but you don't know what Halloween is. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> also, fucking metal. Yeah. That's pretty fucking rad. That's unusually <laughs> specific. I mean. All right. So um, Kirk is not phased by Sylvia here. She's like, well, fine, fuck you. Look at this. I've got a pen to the Enterprise. Like, that's some cool swag. I want one of those. It actually does look really nice. I, yeah, I really want that. I, I think that, that was like, one of their I... filming models. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hero model. <laughs> <laughs> and they set it on fire. Yeah, so she dangles it in the fire. And uh, the ship starts heating up for real. Oh, no. Yeah, she has one interesting bit of dialogue here. Like, in my mind, I made the image of Lieutenant whatever you called him. And in my image, I killed him. And then he died. And Kirk's like, you can't think a man to death. But as I pointed out on Twitter, you know, Kirk routinely talks computers into oblivion. It's not really that much farther a leap, right? No. No, I mean, I almost died uh, watching this episode out of boredom. So it's, it, anything's possible. We've watched far worse episodes. Well, I like the premise of this one. It's just that there's parts of it where it just drags and they're just filling time. To be fair, all original series episodes have those lulls in them. Oh, my God, yes. Even the crazy ones like Wolf in the Fold still have spots where it dragged. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that Enterprise prop was made for that this episode. Damn it! <laughs> to eBay. All right, so uh, Kirk says, "Fine, fine, I give up. You win. Let my let my people go." And so she like tossed the Enterprise on the desk. 
Which, to no ill effect, apparently. Because she's not imagining it doing anything. I guess. So, uh, the ship is fine. Uh, they start ringing in the sweat out of Chekhov's wig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Bot Cobb is all like, Oh, well, you, you know something about us. Why don't you tell us more about you? Since apparently I didn't get anything right from Wikipedia. Well, first of all, we have phasers and we don't put up with bullshit. Now tell me more about you. This is what's this magic horse shit you're trying to peddle on us? <laughs> oh well, blah 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 blah. Wait, wait a second here. Yeah, this is the most convoluted nonsense story. So they're like they're two aliens from a different galaxy who are here to do something. To but then they liked being here and doing things. And so they want to do more of those things. So therefore... Well, okay. Yeah, what? basically, yes. Okay, so... Bot Cobb encases the Enterprise in a paperweight. <laughs> Lose sight! <laughs> the crew will be protected in this. Yeah. It's probably not even loose sight. It's probably just wax. Like like ants and amber. It's loose sight! <laughs> Thank you, Fort Max. <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting to think there's too many Chris's on this show. <laughs> Alright, so um, the crew gets sent back to the dungeon, except for McCoy, who they keep for interrogation. That's about fucking time. I'm about to die bored. <laughs> so uh, while they're um, doing things to McCoy, putting things in his ear, I guess... <laughs> Uh, Kirk and Spock are chained back up to the wall and they're having this you-can't-do-that-in-television locker room conversation about consciousness and thought and where they're pulling all these ideas from. And Spock carefully points out, like, um, yeah, they're aiming to scan our minds, but they just kind of got, like, the bullshit subconscious part. Um, they're kind of bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like... Yeah. I kind of like that on a conceptual level, though. Like, you've got these advanced aliens, but, like, they're still not familiar enough with humans to actually get what they want from them. Well, yeah, they're, they're utterly incompetent. Well, it's, it doesn't even have to be like, incompetence. It's just, like, this is a completely new life form to them. They don't know how to target for what they actually need to get out of them. But, like, if you're trying to, like, study someone's online profile, but all you could pull up was their Netflix queue... And you think you know everything about them because they got a lot of horror movies on their queue. This <laughs> is ridiculous. Yeah, it's even Spock's like, well, you know, you probably recognize this, don't you? You're from Earth. Kirk's like, no. <laughs> I'm from Iowa. That's not yeah. Earth. <laughs> I'm a spaceman. Okay, so uh, McCoy gets brainwashed into a zombie too and he comes down there and... Uh, they're going to send Kirk up there to be inter interviewed next. Uh, but I like this next scene here of the villains. Because okay, the episode started out with uh, Cobb being the main villain and Sylvia being the backup villain. Right, right. She's the familiar. Right. Right. In this scene, though, they have clearly switched roles. Mm -hmm. Bot Cobb is now like, yeah, um, I'm not feeling this evil shit too much anymore. And she's like, no. Sensation and touch, I must have more. 
existence is exotic and amazing. So what were they doing in their home galaxy then? I'm having a really boring time, time apparently. I guess so. Their normal physical forms or non-physical forms, whatever the hell they are, um, they don't really have sensation. Like there's no sense of touch for them or whatever. Therefore, they've taken these forms, which uh, they've adopted the carnal pleasures of the flesh. You know, this sounds kind of familiar. I believe this was the plot with the episode of the aliens from the Andromeda Galaxy that took on human bodies. Probably the same aliens. They're just, they don't communicate, so they keep, like, you know, doubling their efforts. <laughs> this is a later generation of aliens. Them. Yeah. The dumbest aliens. <laughs> well, Andromeda wasn't a very good show either, so. <laughs> uh, so basically, um, Sylvia is just, she's on a high of touching things and feeling things. And she's going into full-on supervillain mode here. So she sends Bot Cobb out. Go away. I'm done with you. Send in the Kirk. Uh, and I love Kirk in this scene. Oh, my God. This whole thing is so ridiculous. Like, the whole crew is going to be saved just because of the fact that Kirk is sexy. Except this isn't normal Kirk sexy, where he's like, I actually want to bang this person because they're hot, and maybe I'll get something out of it. He clearly sees that I can play this bitch, and she's fucked with my crew, so right. I'm going to play this role right and do what I need to do to get the information I need. And these people are really incompetent. Like a fucking fiddle. Like, yeah. Generally, when Kirk is about to fuck an alien woman, he actually wants to fuck them. Right, right, right. Uh, here, it's all an act to get the information he needs to save his crew. It's kind of badass. Because like she yeah. finally catches on in the last second. It's like you're using me. He's like, <laughs> so what? You're using us, right? Yeah, I did like the fact <laughs> how pissed he got. It's like, whoa, jeez. Like, Fuck you. You're we're your captives. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize for this. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's how, how mad he got was funny. <laughs> yeah. Because he was doing a great job. Too. <laughs> yeah. He was actually slowly getting some real information out of her. Mm-hmm. Like, so oh. where's your magic coming from? Oh, it's this thing that we have. That's pretty great. Right. My one weakness is, oh, oh, you almost got me. <laughs> also, uh, she shows her ability to transform into all kinds of amazing looking drag queens. <laughs> uh, Except for the one that's wearing like a clown palazzos. I don't know what that's about. Oh, yeah. I laughed out loud at that scene. Couldn't help it. <laughs> It's like how hurt she is, too. She's like, she just can't believe that Kirk was playing her. How could you? It's like, you've been killing people. What are you fucking talking about? Hmm. I like the part, too, where, like, it was, I think in an earlier scene, Kirk just reached over and, like, grabs the face right out of Scotty's hand. And, like, he has the advantage. And then he's like, meh. And he just hands it back to him. What was, all, what was all that about? I didn't understand that part. It's like he had the weapon and he had like the upper hand. And he was like, eh. I think that's when just... she started setting the Enterprise on fire. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It just seemed a little easy to give up, I guess. Whatever. All right. So meanwhile, up the B plot, uh, Chekhov has figured out a way to almost affect the force field around them. 
and earn the respect of uh, LaSalle. Which is really the point of his existence at this point. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, like, LaSalle had this whole little mini subplotish kind of thing, like, proving, like, he's an engineer, he's in command, he's going to come up with an engineering solution to come out of this. There's an impenetrable force field. <laughs> right. Start throwing power at it until we penetrate it. <laughs> yeah. Didn't work well for his dating life, because he's going to try it here. All right, so uh, Bot Cobb has had a change of heart because he's realized that he sucks at being evil, so he might as well join the good guys. So he releases everybody from the shackles. And he gives them a phaser uh, back, too. Yeah. How helpful. <laughs> well, not so really. So he basically says, um, yeah, Sylvia's gone crazy with the incredible power of sensation. Ooh. Um, so basically, he's going to get them out of here. He's going to save them. <laughs> I just realized a fidget spinner would have solved this episode. <laughs> they just handed her that. She'd have been... Okay, you're free to go now. At this point, they were all buried underneath all the ET cartridges in Arizona. <laughs> God, one can hope. All right, so um, here's where the episode shifts into pure stupidity, which is glorious. <laughs> Uh, where Sylvia becomes a cat again. A giant cat. A giant cat that you see shadows of stalking the hallways, and then going through this a bit, this actually really will-belt miniature of the set. Except because they didn't slow it down at all, it still looks small. Uh-huh. Look, they got like three quarters of the way there. And I, I am actually really amazed at how good that miniature set is. I'm kind of surprised they wanted the effort. I think they just realized they couldn't make it. They couldn't just do it with uh, all shadows and then that one uh, Through the composite. Door composite. Yeah, yeah. I also like how even you know it, even the shadows of the cat, nothing looks threatening about it. <laughs> right? Because no. they picked a big poofy cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like why can't they get a short hair? It looks like a panther crawling around, but no. There goes a fluffy kitty. <laughs> like, yeah. There probably... goes a fluffy kitty that's walking in front of the lights. Yeah. <laughs> they probably just borrowed some crew member's cat. <laughs> Alright, so they make their way uh, back to the cause, Yeah, I mean, that would make sense because that cat does not look like it wants to be there at all. Well, no cat wants to be anywhere. Yeah, see, that's the, that's the thing you're not considering, Fort Max. They've put the cat in a place that they want the cat to be. So by definition, the cat does not want to be there. Okay, so they, they make their way back to the styrofoam hole in the floor. Which is uh, at the ceiling of the place where they were being kept. is the prison. So they just yeah. fall right into the prison room. So inside the prison, there's just a, a hole in the ceiling? Yep. Oh, okay. That's how the sunlight gets in. All right. Well, and granted, they were in shackles most of the time that they were down there. Yeah. All right, so Kirk and Spock start trying to lift their way out, and Bot Cobb heavily says, I'll stop the cat at the door. Okay. <laughs> By which he means I'll do absolutely nothing except stand there and die when I, when uh, the cat knocks the door over on me. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> You know you were thinking it too. 
so weird. I get that reference. <laughs> so, uh, Bot Cobb dies a quick and horrible death from the crushing weight of this styrofoam door. <laughs> Um, he so, was always he was a little unhinged. Oh, God damn it, Scott. <laughs> All right, so once the door down, we realize the cat is so large that it can't actually even fit through the doorway anyway, so there's no real threat. No. If only the cat could shrink to the size of a regular house cat. But then the door would be too big for it, Fort Max. Well, Kurt grabs Buck Cobb's magic wand. Whoa, hey now. And just uh, tosses it off up the uh, spot. <laughs> Go on. Um, crawls up out the styrofoam hole just in time for McCoy to almost take off his head with a fucking mace. Yeah, this giant round fucking thing. Holy crap. It's called a mace, Scott. <laughs> it, what, did it have it's spikes? a round thing on a stick. It's a, it's a mace. Did it have... didn't spray it in his eyes? That's did... what mace is. You spray people with did, mace. Did it have Don't. spikes on it? If it didn't have spikes on it, it's not a mace. No, with spikes is a morning star. Well, it's not a mace. It it's a flail. It, if it has spikes, it does 1d8 damage. Plus two with proficiency. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, in this scene, is my favorite part of the episode, my personal favorite part, is when Kirk punches McCoy, gives him a right hook, and McCoy's face goes the other direction of, than the punch. <laughs> that is my favorite thing in this episode. <laughs> oh, no, I think ha! the favorite thing is when Sulu shows up. Um, Let's doing... forget he's not playing Kato. <laughs> yeah, Damn. doing doing really shitty karate poses, and then eventually <laughs> Kirk just backhands him. Sulu flies back into the wall, sinks down to the ground, and has the most exaggerated fake pass out motion <laughs> yes. I've ever seen. The the fight scenes are are pretty legendary in this. Oh well, yeah, because then at the at the end of it, when McCoy is getting back up, Kirk backhands him without looking, and then gives him a backward kick. Mm-hmm. He's auditioning to be Batman this week. Can you imagine? Kirk. Can, yeah, can you imagine sixties Batman with Shatner instead of Adam West? God, that would be amazing. <laughs> Well, you know, we got as close as we could possibly get to that. Well, the yes. last cartoon movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, so um, his friend subdued. Kirk turns the attention of his magic wand towards the shadow of the cat. Oh, my. Uh, Sylvia Transformers back. Basically, at this point, Spock is giving the warning, don't let her touch the wand. But that's not really what yeah, they need uh... to be worried about her touching, because actually it's her pendant that's her source of power. Right. I like how like, she looks all hurt at Spock, like, how could you tell Kirk that? <laughs> like, you know, I'm not Spock on your side, right? About the magic wand. It's not Kirk's wand. Yeah. All yeah. that, too. Don't let her touch it. <laughs> and definitely don't tie a string onto the wand and uh, wave it around. <laughs> um... Okay, I, I, I understand where Fort Max is going with that, but given the other references we're making here, that's still kind of alarming. All right, well, Sylvia says, well, fine, I'm just going to tell people to teleport back <laughs> the other set. No, what do you think about that? 
And this so, is about the point where somebody realized, you know what, we're running out of episode here and we don't have a resolution. What can we do? Well, Sylvia Smash Kirk, it! No, Celia promises Kirk, we could rule the galaxy together. As father as and Empress son. And Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> and Kirk's like, uh, no, fuck you, Smash. Then everything, everything is logic. Now, I, I get, yeah, this is so. I mean, if this is a source of like intergalactic power, he wants to smash it on the table. Hey, why did he think that war could be? Why didn't he think that would blow up the fucking planet? <laughs> you because don't, he he could have just been sick all, of all this bullshit and you know been willing to take that <laughs> chance. Yeah, the sweet the sweet embrace of the void would be better than finishing this episode. Although I think they explained it sufficiently in the episode that like the wand is not itself a source of power; it's just the focusing element that makes everything else work. Uh, sure. So conceivably, destroying that would stop everything else going on, but maybe it's, not destructively. It, it's just like how destroying the control panel shuts down the uh, doomsday device. You know what? I'll yes. take that. I will take that. <laughs> Or smashing all the panels in the command center uh, makes Zordon go away. No, no, that's ripping out all the panels in the command center. Okay, what about putting um, just a blank CD in Alpha's backpack? But is he in the basement? No, that's where the trigger magnum sound is. We don't get that until Zeo. Alright, so, uh, the illusion's dispelled. We now see the aliens, what they really are is... Two little fishing lure things with googly eyes. <laughs> they look like they're made out of pipe cleaners. Yeah. And then uh, they slowly start self-combusting. Twitch Kirk is like, well, I hate it for you. Bye. Yeah. The sanctity of life. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, McCoy's all like, well, if they could be preserved. Nope, too late. They're already smoking. Yeah. And they never really explain why they just suddenly start melting, either. Yeah, something about their physical forms couldn't survive in that environment, I think. They've been surviving in that environment. Not in those physical forms. Yeah, not in those physical forms. There's different physical forms. Seems a little different. The form of a cat. See, like how fish can breathe water, but you can't, you know, different forms. But, but those can... forms were there. The everything was an illusion. Remember? No, they transmuted. All stuff was quite real. But you can no, totally see the wires. Real. You can totally see the wires attached to those pipe cleaner puppets. They're so weird looking. Though. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta admit, they're pretty creepy looking. If I saw one of those little boogers like crawling toward me, I'd be creeped out. Oh, it's okay. They'll you just catch on fire. By... Well, but you'd get freaked out by the skeletons down there too, though. Well, well, yes, obviously. So, yeah, this is a dumb episode, but uh, there's lots of I found entertaining. And ultimately, that's what really matters. Well, yeah, it's got to be entertaining. It's just... No, it's just for me to be, to be entertained by it. <laughs> sure. I got that reference. Was that a reference? No. Oh. Unless it was a, re- a reference to superhero time. You tell him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Don't get told. All right. Well, we survived that. That was that was spooky. I heard you too. <laughs> I think I think the only thing scarier in this episode, 
uh, is the quality of this podcast. <laughs> That's really a thing that that will send a shiver down your spine. But the important thing is, we cover the Halloween episode for a podcast released on Halloween. Yeah. yeah, that's the most topical we've ever fucking been. Unfortunately, this episode is not actually going to post until uh, Thursday. So, uh, God damn it, you're, <laughs> you're doing that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes it's the next day. Sometimes, like it's a week or two. Meh. Yeah, whatever. I got projects waiting to be put together from like two months ago. Still. Like bathing? No, I get to that every week or so. Okay, good. So I guess next week we will do Fort Max's suggestion of um, Neelix's lungs. Yes. Okay. All right. Unless Mickey decides to replace it with something else again. Bastard. Well, and unless... not tell you. <laughs> I told him directly. Um, he was just messing with you. All right. Well, so well... next week is Halloween again. We should do Cat's Fall. Oh, God. Not even Harry Mudd will come with a time loop this this evil. I just glad I didn't suggest we watch Cat's Eye. What Stephen King movie? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's, I, it's awful. I th- I thought you were talking about the anime. I don't watch anime. I only watch the live action adaptions of anime, like Ghost <laughs> in the Shell. <laughs> <laughs> At Dragon Ball? Yes. <laughs> Avatar. That's not anime! And G-Savior? I've actually never seen G-Savior, but I've heard it's terrible. I've never watched it. I have a downloaded copy of it somewhere. Oh, it's kind of like I've got a downloaded copy of uh, Micron Legend, but I refuse to watch it. Subbed? Yes. Huh. I didn't know anybody had subbed that. Well... Oh, I Hong say it's subbed. No, worse. What's worse than Hong Kong subs? TV Nihon. They said Micron Legend? Yep. I don't remember them doing Superlink and Galaxy Force. And Car Robots. Well, maybe no, it wasn't I, there, I don't there know. Were, there was some other group that I think used the Raws that I made. Maybe it was somebody else. I don't know. I'd check, but I don't want to open the files. <laughs> I figure if I've downloaded them, no one else will have to. <laughs> That's a good theory. I like that. I'm preventing anyone else from having to watch it. Theoretically. Oh, all right. That was way too much TOS in a row, by the way. That was only two weeks worth. That's that's too much TOS at once. Not that bad. Yeah, feeling the TOS bug from Disco. Discovery doesn't feel like it's connected to it, though. That's the problem. Is that a problem, or is that a feature? <laughs> oh my! Oh, right, my God! Oh, it's all moist. Oh, gross! Ew. Oh, I can smell it now. Fort Max manners. Seriously, girl. <laughs>